I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door go to blue and use promo code listen to get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 dollars or more That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In fact, from what I've heard in real life, he's actually quite a quiet and reserved he person, like nice, extremely yeah. polite. Yeah. And sort of Doesn't like he have this... a tiny dog? Probably. Like I have really... no idea, but I know he officiated a fan's wedding because he's like that much of a nice guy. Oh. <laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm. 
This is uh, the Rusty Quill podcast show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about wrestling. And I am delighted to be joined by Callum, our CMO, and Steve and Cam from the Old Gods of Appalachia podcast. So everybody, why don't you tell us a bit about yourselves? Um, Callum, would you like to start? I probably do the most boring job at Rusty Quill, genuinely, um, <laughs> and also the most loathsome by far as well. Um, loathsome? You know, marketing marketing guys are normally the villains, so. and I will try and play that role today uh, if we need to heal. <laughs> that will be me. Okay, Callum Doherty, resident villain. And next up, we've got Cam. Can you tell us a little bit about you? I'm Cam Collins. I'm the co-creator of Old Gods of Appalachia. I write for the show and also do a little bit of voice work, which I'll be diving into again this week, uh, as well as handle most of our back-end technical duties, other than actual audio production of the show. Wonderful. And last but not least. Yeah. Hey, family. Uh, I'm Steve Shell. I'm the other co-creator of Old Gods of Appalachia. And if you know the voice, I am the narrator and primary storyteller uh, of the show and... I do all of our narration, audio production, sound design, and most of the episode art uh, that you see go out every other week. That's me as well. I didn't know you did the art as well. We don't make a big deal out of that. I like playing. In, I've been splattering poo in Photoshop like a like a zoo monkey for twenty some years. And um, yeah, the ep- the episode art. Now, a lot of our merch art. When you see that, that we 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 buy art from fans. We see cool fan art. We'll commission people. And we both we both also design it ourselves. Oh yeah, yeah. I am the masterful designer of the famous honk shirt. Yes, the new fire breathing geese shirt, uh, which I was on vacation when that episode dropped that involved the fire breathing geese. Spoiler. Yeah, you totally missed the a lot of the reaction for a few days that that episode got. Yeah, so yeah, there are fire breathing geese. Content warning geese. We actually have the content warning of. We we literally have content warning Um, geese. Actually, I think that content warning reads, animal carcass devoured by monster, comma, geese. And the geese have nothing to do with either of those things. But, uh, yeah, the fire-breathing geese design is uh, can. We're both graphic designers. We've worked in art through the years. The I just started doing the episode art from the beginning, and it's just kind of happened. Wonderful. Oh, and before I forget, um, I'm just going to do a round of pronouns. So uh, my pronouns are she, he, and they. Callum, what are your pronouns? He, him. Okay, Cam. She or they. Cool. And Steve. He, him. So, on to our main topic of the day. Obviously, we're talking about wrestling. Now, I got into it as like a bonding thing with my dad. Growing up, going to, at the time, smoky um, pubs and clubs and stuff like that. It's very bizarre to think that people were allowed to smoke inside for such a long time. So that was, for me... Very much a childhood nostalgic thing. Would someone like to start with telling me how the rest of you got into wrestling? Does anyone want to start us off? For me, uh, it was my grandmother, my, my mama, Edith Marie. I was raised by her till I was four or five and then babysat by her for every weekend going you know, back into eternity. And she lived in Norton, Virginia, which is right on the Kentucky border near where Cam and I grew up, way up on a place called Thacker's Branch. And everybody up there watched wrestling. I really started paying attention to wrestling probably in the mid-80s and then rode it till the middle of high school 
fell away for a while and then came back in strong right around the Attitude Era of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and all that. Yeah, and for me, it's it's my memories with my grandmother jumping up and down when Dusty Rhodes finally won the world title, which is ironic seeing he, he was the booker and was writing the storylines or <laughs> the first time they shaved somebody's head that deserved it. My mama practically crying tears of joy. They used to shave people's heads? Hair matches are a venerated tradition. <laughs> what? Is this true? Callum, back me up, yes? Oh, extremely. I mean, it's like after losing your mask, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you would be losing your hair. Oh. Um, and if you don't wear a mask in the first place, it's like the biggest uh, dishonor that you could face is being, being shorn. It actually originates in Mexico oh. with the luchador tradition. Like Callum said, the lo- losing of your mask is like a big a big deal. But what if you're facing a, an opponent you know, or a villain or a hero that doesn't wear a mask? They have to put something on the line. I see. So like they put, they put there and they would usually have luxurious locks. Hair versus hair matches were a big thing, but it was bonding time. Again, like much like you and your dad, I imagine. Mm. Me and my grandmother, it was something we we did. And I mean, it was, and we didn't have like, I never saw a pay-per-view on television, like even like, you know, paid for it and watched it until Cam and I were in college. And her mom, none of our parents would do it. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe we would pay them back, but we would have money up front and Cam's mom would let us go to, would go to the cable company, pay the fee, get the little decoder thing that screwed on the back of your TV, <laughs> and we would sit in the living room of their home and watch me and my two best friends and Cam unwillingly, willingly <laughs> pulled, al- pulled along <laughs> in the way. Was I willingly? Wait, so, uh, so Cam, you knew Stephen University? Uh, before, for me anyway. Well, um, I was a few years yeah. younger. Okay. So I was still in high school at first <laughs> for a couple years there and then yeah we've been we've been friends since we were very young Aww. and yeah so <laughs> all, yeah all steve and several of our other friends would would come to my mom's house and then later um after we were grown when i i, I was the first one to actually have my own place and so then they come to my house <laughs> <laughs> still with cash in hand still with cash in hand yeah we never left anybody hanging and yeah, I mean, yeah. I watched the Montreal screw job. If you know what that is, I watched the Montreal screw job live on Cam's couch uh, on a tiny little TV, just like not understanding what I was seeing wrestling history going down. But no, it's been, if you're from Appalachia, you know, there, there's a reason Smoky Mountain Wrestling was the last territory promotion and, you know, the last, the last standalone, you know, of the territorial indies. And it was in East Tennessee and toured all throughout Appalachia. So like pro wrestling is, for me and for growing up, you know, as a little boy, as a little AMAB uh, cis boy in Appalachia, that was kind of, that was the thing. You played wrestling at school, you beat it, you threw each other down the hill, you tried headlocks. <laughs> We're going to have to come back to some of that because I only caught half of what some of the terms and names you were using, which sounded <laughs> extremely interesting. But please understand, I have not seen a wrestling match since I was about 13. Fair. Uh, <laughs> Cam, how did you get into wrestling? Was it with Steve or yeah. was it from before that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve and some of our other friends uh, were into it. Um, I, I think my dad watched it a little bit uh, when I was young. Oh, really? But um, then when I was older, it was, you know, Steve and some of our other friends. And yeah, they'd come over and watch at my house. So I haven't watched other than... Here and there, um, catching a few things in, since, you know, the early aughts. <laughs> it's been it's yeah. been a minute. Wow. Yep. And how about you, Callum? So 
my uh, grandparents were really, really into wrestling at the time of uh, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks, if that means anything <gasps> to anyone. Yeah, and, my parents uh, went to see them. <laughs> so they were like, legendary. And uh, my par- my grandparents on both sides liked it so much that um, naturally my parents had no interest. It was sort of like, you know, something that their parents mm. liked. So naturally it was the antithesis of cool. Um, and therefore, like as a kid... Bear in mind, I grew up in the 90s, so, like, WWF, WWE was on everything. So you played the video games and all that sort of stuff, but I never, like, watched it on TV. It was always, like, you know, something that we would just switch over to do something else because it's just not what we did. Um, and then it was actually when I was in uh, in university and um, being friends with all the straight-edge kids at uni, all four of them, and... Uh, <laughs> They were talking about going to a ICW show. Now, ICW is like a, um, a a Scottish promotion that's known for its sort of, well, was known in particular for its sort of like hardcore style and sort of like trying to throw back a little bit to ECW, but also like very much being into its like indie indie roots. Yeah, so they invited me to a show, being like like being that they were all into wrestling, and I was like, no, like like I was always of that side of like straight edge, which if people don't know is like smoke free alcohol free drug free and giant x's um and uh and and i was and i also like really like messed with pacifism and i was like no i'm not i'm not into this that doesn't sound like something for me and they were like no you need to come along because this is the most like hardcore punk thing you've ever seen is icw so anyway i reluctantly like joined them along for a show like we wait outside i'm like what is this like this is this this uh riverside which is a bar is sort of like small enough that I've like I've seen bigger like small punk rock shows before that have <laughs> also kind of sucked and I was like not really you know knowing what to expect in any way um about halfway through the show I think it was Jack Jester versus Prince Devitt who's now quite famous uh in his oh yeah in the in the, in the WWE and the NXT and um Jack Jester was threatening to throw him into the River Tyne now, you can't possibly actually do that. Like, you would die. Like, the undertow and this, like, algae in there that, like, if you survive the undertow, you're probably going to be poisoned and have to go to hospital. Anyway, it was like, in that moment, seeing that, I believed this man was going <laughs> to commit homicide, throwing him into the <laughs> river. And from that moment, I was just absolutely hooked. It's like, you know, I remember my hands shaking and my palms sweating because I was like... <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I was like in love and terrified, and from then at that minute on, I was absolutely hooked, and I went home and um, and I think I purchased about ten shows of ICW and just started like getting caught up straight away. And, wow! Um, and from that, I fell in love with like live wrestling and stuff too, and like going to yeah. all the really small community center shows and stuff like that around the uh, around the northeast because bizarrely, this is a like this is a bit of a hub for wrestling. Like it is at least within England. Yeah, no, UK UK or Britrest has become like a huge thing in the past like three to five years to the point that WWE has launched a British developmental brand in NXT UK. Gosh. Uh, just I'm gonna use a British I'm gonna use a British term here, hoovering up all the local talent. All right. So um I feel like I've had like a bit of a crash course in various wrestling terms because like I don't know any of this history. You missed one important one, which is uh which is which is blo- uh Blood would normally be known as color. There would be the color. idea of showing some color or juice. Yeah. What? Or juice. <laughs> is this is this wrestling terms again? Yeah. Okay. So if 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 a, if a wrestler bleeds, if it's predetermined that a wrestler is going to bleed in a match, he'll know that he's supposed to, as Cal said, show color, 
which means at some point in the match, he will take a razor blade that is hidden on his person somewhere <gasps> and drag it across some place on their face, usually forehead hairline, to bleed. Uh, and, and I grew up with it being called juicing. Juicing, yeah. Like, like to get to get the juice, you know, like yeah. if you intentionally set it up. But more modern term now is color. I think that's kind of evolved and it sounds a little less perverse in a way oh, uh, to show color or to do color. I don't know why it didn't occur to me that we're going to be talking about violence so much. <laughs> Because you don't like, think it's real. That's fun. You know? Yeah, you don't think it's real, but it's it's so real. And, and ECW, oh particular, sorry, sorry, Steve. I thought I'd, no, I wanted fine. to mention this because ECW. There's a high chance that the color that you see isn't just because someone self razor bladed. Not in ECW. Um, yeah. the, the, the risk is a lot higher. So wow. what got me into wrestling as a kid was my grandma, and I thought it was real, and I would tell everybody it was real. And then as I got older and figured out it was predetermined. I had some friends in college, in early college, Toby and Tim, uh, who wanted to be wrestlers. The fact they were 5'8 and 5'9 did not seem to deter that dream for them. And they really smartened me up of how this is how this works. This is how blading works or juicing or color. This is how this works. And I became fascinated with the world behind the scenes. And the internet was a thing now. And you could read these web pages, these dirt sheets, and find out like, oh, well, this wrestler who's fighting this guy really hates him and doesn't want to lose to him and may f- with him. I'm sorry, may mess with him on the pay per view, <laughs> and that may not that may not happen. Or like this wrestler hates. If you watch, for example, Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan from a few, just find that match from a few WrestleManias ago. It's predetermined. Hulk Hogan decided he would win. He used his creative control. So every punch that he lands on Shawn Michaels, one of the greatest workers in the world, every punch, every kick, he sells it like he's been shot because he's basically giving a big middle finger to Hogan for exercising, for not wanting to put him over and and do, you know, like let him win. So one punch, Shawn Michaels flies across the ring like he's been <laughs> shot out of a cannon, like a body slam. He's like, he's in traction at that point. And he just oversells everything. That's the stuff we signed up for. We signed up to see the unscripted moments, the pettiness, the, you know, oh my God, was that an inside reference to such and such? And at the time, wrestlers were jumping back and forth between WCW and WWF. Mm-hmm. And if a wrestler in WWF made a reference to where the big boys play in his promo, oh my God, that's a coded message that he's going to jump to the other channel. And so that inside world became more interesting than the actual matches. I see. So it's it's a really, so it's a very meta narrative really. oh it's meta theater is what it is it's mm. like watching the play while you have a redacted version of the script <laughs> and maybe a partial recording of director's notes and you're trying to make sense of it like uh like all at once it's theater and it's theater on a grand scale yeah cam would you agree is that what brought you into it yeah actually like that that's that made it a lot more interesting um just talking about what was actually going on behind the scenes and all the inside gossip really mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's be real, there are scandals the and stuff then come yes yes it's it's the gossip that that's <laughs> i'm there for the hot gossip <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite ah do i have a uh, do i have a favorite I mean, I always did like Mick Foley, actually. I don't know who that is. As wrestling actors go, he's quite good. <laughs> okay. And The Undertaker. Yeah, The the Undertaker kind of got... He uh, he really lived the gimmick. There's a concept in wrestling called kayfabe. And it's yes, old... I wanted to ask about this because, Callum, you just mentioned that. Uh, kayfabe is an old carnival term, meaning 
pretending it's real, basically the veil okay. of illusion. You know, the, and in the old days, the good guys did not travel with the bad guys. They could not be seen in public with the bad guys. Wow. You know, if, if you were supposed to be Texan in public, you better talk with a Texas accent. You know, like if you're supposed to be wow. keeping kayfabe. When they, uh, when, they, when they wanted to start being edgy, stuff started happening like WCW's show was live and WWE or F show was taped. WW, WCW would give away the results of the tape show and tell everybody who was supposed to win. So they were breaking kayfabe. Oh, and no. Mick Foley, okay. Mick Foley, who was Cactus Jack, Mankind, Dude Love, who was a, uh, a, bunch, a bunch of different, of different characters. characters, was scheduled to win their world title. And they announced mm-hmm. that and laughed at it. And six million families in America changed the channel <gasps> to watch that happen. And it shifted the tide of the competition between WWE and WCW forever. And I think we'll take a break there. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. And welcome back. So if I can go back to this idea of kayfabe for a second, I'm trying to think of like equivalents in other mediums. Like would things like, I don't know, like Daft Punk, like always appearing with their helmets and stuff on, is that? A kind of similar concept or I suppose it's any situation where it's like the commitment to the character and not breaking the character outside of the mm, performance yeah. is like an extension of it mm-hmm. um, wow Kay Fabus and, and, and the fact that in this sort of this day and age you can like skirt around it going back and forth between you know sometimes you're breaking kayfabe because you got wrestlers sitting there playing twitch and like just <laughs> being just being people yeah and then on the other side of it like they're supposed to be like some supernatural character and then you know like people change gimmicks in a way now like which are more dramatic where it's like it there's an element of poking fun at the at the notion of it but like the further you go back, the more like the commitment to kayfabe and to an individual mm-hmm. character was like extremely mm-hmm. important, and wow. it really heightens the experience. And and I suppose to a degree, like kayfabe also is like became a word for like a little bit of more of like being in the know about about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like I suppose there's an important parallel to draw. Like when you're a kid, or uh, I mean, to be fair, I've just said I didn't like like wrestling when I was a kid, but like people would go you know it's fake right and it would be like a hurtful thing to say to 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 a kid and sort of like Mm. you know to upset them and to ruin it for them because they're there for like the fact this is real it's like it's this larger than life battle but then when you're like older you're like you get in the know and it's sort of like you know a tap on the side of the nose and being like well it's fake but it's also it's very real at the same time Mm. um and it's 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 predetermined like it the person that was going to win was always the person that was going to win, but um, it's part of a much more important story, and you, yeah. you, you, don't, you don't. It doesn't actually almost doesn't matter who wins at the end at that point. Um, and like the kayfabe element of the storytelling definitely feeds into that. The very fact that you, you hate this guy here and you want him to lose this important match, or you want him to lose the belt because he's a heel, and that's that's how he is being portrayed, and it's it's what you expect him to do off screen is that he's like. I don't know, some kind of really terrible villain who's irredeemable. And then the other side, the guy that he's fighting is, um, is you know, an almost saintly, like, hero. Like, he's a baby face. He represents, like, <laughs> everything that's good in, uh, in, in the world um, and is also, like, aspirational and sort of, like, is represents every conflict that you've ever personally <laughs> lost, you know, or, like, wanted to win. That's kind of a little bit of what kayfabe is and, like, like the commitment to playing out those roles when you interact with people, uh, and particularly fans, means uh, means an enormous amount. That'd probably be a good way to get at it, but also like it's a commitment to out outside universe storytelling as well as like the whole the universe of wrestling, not just being the match. It's also the live show. It's also it's the podcasts. It's the uh, it's. It's even the dirt sheets that, like uh, Steve mentioned earlier on, it's like having a a dirt sheet that's worked because it's designed. I don't know what this means. (laughs) A dirt sheet is uh, like the Wrestling Observer, the Pro Wrestling Torch. There for for the longest time were these underground newsletters. Uh And there were guys who had inside information. And for like, back in the day, you had to call a 900 number or pay a subscription fee for the year to get it mailed to you. And you would get updates like, oh, so-and-so is dissatisfied with their contract with WWF. And they're going to be talking to ECW in the spring. Or like, oh, so-and-so divorced so-and-so. And and now they're sleeping with so-and-so. Or, oh, plans are to turn this wrestling 
wrestler from a vampire into a robot. You know, like look out for the robot wrestler. Like tiny tabloids. Yes. Or like oh, like like the lady in Bridgerton. Yes. Kind of, except for <laughs> except for like they were almost they're they're fairly accurate. Yeah, well, she was accurate too. Yeah. Uh, but like they're fairly accurate, and they were called dirt sheets. Uh, and like so, cool. Steve Austin recently said in an interview, he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I, nobody wanted to admit they were reading them. <laughs> but we were all reading them, and like you're getting caught with them with like yeah. getting caught with contraband, you know, like, uh, and the, and so like the dirt sheets. But then you would have wrestlers who would pull off such outrageous kayfabe. They were so good at manipulating their character. Even the guys writing those were reporting things they were saying, like, "Oh, Brian Pillman is this loose cannon, and he's going to do this, this, this." And he's even working the working means fooling. Uh, the, he's working the the dirt sheet guy. Like even the guy who thinks he knows the truth is reporting, and that was the that's the. <laughs> uh, speaking of Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman, rest rest in power. Um, when he was a member of the Four Horsemen, and he was the worst member of the Four Horsemen, a group of wrestlers in WCW who were my favorites, and he was like the one that seemed to always mess up their plans or always step in it, and like it was always he didn't care and he was just reckless. And I'm like, God, I hate that guy so. And I realized I just had this epiphany of like. <gasps> I'm supposed to hate him. <laughs> He's doing a really good job. I like him now. You know, and it was just like that that turnaround of like this is what yeah. a good a good when we there's another a term I guess we should introduce Kyle, a term of being a good worker. Yeah. And that's if you can have your violence in the match, you're safe, meaning you make it look like you're absolutely pulverizing your opponent. It looks super real, but your opponent isn't afraid for a second because they know you've got them mm. and they know that you're not actually going to hurt them or drop them on their head or do an irresponsible thing. Being able to work the microphone and convey your personality and your character in a way that's believable and not eye-roll-worthy and, and then being able to you know, convince everybody that what you're doing is legit at all because that's where we are now. Now you're away from like Bob the Plumber or Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Now it's people have names again. They're stupid names, but they have names again, <laughs> and they're and they're expected to be those characters. And like, but but now WWE, like for example, uh, you mentioned Prince Devitt. What is Prince Devitt's real name? I honestly wish I knew. I just remember as Prince Devitt. <laughs> yeah, it's like something like it's like it's like McCorkle something. It's like a very Irish McIrishman name, like you know. But he goes in WWE by Finn Balor. Uh, a, a Celtic king and a Celtic monster, Finn Balor. And he even acknowledges, like, uh, Dermot. Dermot is his first name. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, on the street, I'm Dermot, Mick, whatever his name is. He's like, but in the ring, I'm Finn Balor. And when I'm Finn Balor, I'm a king, I'm the demon king. Mm. And he has a whole thing, and he's an amazing worker. And he's a guy that can say that. He can say, well, you all know there's this, but here I'm Finn Balor. You can have wrestlers who are good enough in the ring have the charisma that they can wink at the camera and be like, yeah, no, really, I'm Mike Quackenbush in real life. But like, as a performer, you see the work I do and you can respect that as well. Is this all part of when I used to see like The Rock yelling into a camera, like someone would be interview him and then he would like be shouting into, a phone. that was part of the act. Oh yeah. Of being oh, yeah, The yeah, Rock. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm yeah. sure, and I'm, in fact, from what I've heard in real life, he's actually quite a quiet and reserved he's person, like nice, extremely yeah. polite and sort of Doesn't like. Does he have a tiny dog? Probably. Like I have really no idea, but I know he officiated a fan's wedding because he's like that much of a nice yeah. guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, there, there's a there's a moment. There's a documentary called Beyond the Mat that came out like in 2000 that has a lot of behind the scenes thing. Uh-huh. And they have The Rock talking about The Rock's character and what he's supposed to do in the storyline. And it's very telling because you hear Dwayne Johnson, you know, who is The Rock, be like, well, you know, The Rock's going to come down here with the chair and he's going to like have mankind handcuffed and he's not going to let him defend himself because, you know, that's the kind of piece of sh- The Rock is. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like even like even Dwayne knew that like this is a character who is not me. Mm. And, you know, and then you have wrestling, but you have wrestlers who very much can kind of put their business out there on the line. Like Finn Balor is sort of one of them. And the reason his name is Finn Balor and not Dermot McDevitt, which is his name, um, is so WWE can trademark Finn Balor. I see. And own that. And when he goes somewhere else, he has to use his real name or go back to being Prince Devitt or whatever it is they're doing. You know, no one names their child Samoa Joe. <laughs> no one names their child Roman Reigns. You know, like, uh, um, the, yeah, so it's just like a good worker is somebody who can represent all the facets of pro wrestling and not give away the secrets, but at the same time can give away the secrets, and it doesn't matter because you still want to watch them. And that's another thing, you know, and how well they sell the moves is another mark of, you know, being a good worker. Mm. Do you make it look like you're really hurt when you're just fine? You know? Mm. As well as, you know, looking like you're really beating someone when you're supposed to be winning. Like, that's, you know, it's, it's the theater of it. So I guess maybe this whole thing of, like, oh, wrestling is fake, that comes from people who view it as a sport, but actually it's theater. Yeah, I mean, it came out in the, I guess, the 80s or early 90s when basically Vince McMahon, who owns the WWE, wanted to stop being regulated by state athletic commissions. And he literally went on national television and said, y'all, this is an entertainment product. Mm -hmm. Like, the endings are predetermined. This is a story. This is a soap opera. This isn't competitive. And in a lot of ways, that was like a knife through the heart Mm. of every old schooler who defended the business, who gave their life and their comfort and their body to protect, you know, the hidden nature of pro wrestling. And here's Mm. Vince, so he can not have to pay taxes on shows at the Meadowlands or at Madison Square Garden. Him just admitting basically, like, hoping it gets blown to the wind of being like, no, 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 you can't tax us that way. You can't hold us accountable for steroids and whatever because we're not really a sport. Interesting. It's a show. Are you going to drug test Broadway? Are you going to drug test Broadway too? You know, and like, uh, and that opened up a whole world of venues, stadiums. Like, wrestlers still had to be medically cleared, you know, to be safe to wrestle, mm. but not not by the state, not by anything official. And by doing it, and that, and it, and it, and it happened just like he wanted it to. It was a blip on the news pre-internet for about a week, and then people, and then everyone goes, "Oh well, I knew it. I knew it." And then the people who watched it continued to watch it. The mm-hmm. people who stopped, stopped. And the new fans came as the industry chugged along. And and like I said, now you have a product in pro wrestling in 2021 where people, smart fans, turn and tune in. Like, okay, cool. I'm going to watch Cody Rhodes wrestle a match against Sean Spears. And um, 
I don't think either of them one is going to actually beat the other. But man, those are two talented athletic guys who know how to tell a story. Mm. This should be a baller ass match. And if it doesn't happen that way, you're like, what was that? That was lazy. That was sloppy. Like, <laughs> what kind of booking? Like, who wrote that story? You know, it doesn't follow like, oh, Sean Spears is the bum. He can't win a match. It's like, why is the office doing this to Sean Spears? Why are they making him lose like 18 <laughs> matches in a row when they told us he was a golden god? You know, and it's just like, there's a different level of entertainment and front. Yeah. And wrestling's in a terrible place right now. Like the pandemic oh. has been. Of course. Mm. Yeah, because they're they're in studios wrestling in front of flat screens with fans on them, and they can they can dictate what the reaction is. They can pipe mm. in the cheers and the boos, but the pandemic's ending, and they're about to be in front of thousands or hundreds <laughs> of fans again, depending on where they are. And I have a feeling we're going to see some things change. I hope mm. to God we see some things change because I feel like we've been watching the same six episodes of Raw and SmackDown for a year and a half. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's just hard to care. As a fan, it's it's really hard to care. I'm just really curious to see what comes now that we can have people in arenas. Well, hopefully when we can have people in arenas again later in the summer or in the fall. Building off that, you've talked about people uh, cheering, booing, and how it's all down to like live audience reaction. Why didn't we interested to know is like, do any of you have like a favorite reveal or like moment where, you know, the reaction or your reaction was very intense to something happening on the, in the ring. I was going to say on the stage, but. I might have mentioned this on the other enthusiasm that I was on. Oh yeah. Hashtag pilot season. Um, but, uh, I was moved to tears by a live wrestling show. And I don't mean, like, of sadness. I mean, it was such a moving and beautiful thing that I'd seen that I actually cried real tears. I wept um, because I was that just enamored with what I was seeing in person. Are you comfortable saying what that was? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I I really like Chikara Pro Wrestling. We already mentioned Mike Quackenbush earlier on and the excellent promotion, uh, Chikara what is sort of like his brainchild. Um, and at the time, I got to see um, the current heavyweight, well, the heavyweight champion of Shikara Pro at the time, who is Princess Kimberly, which is a Sailor Moon-esque gimmick of the wrestler Kimberly that she used specifically in Shikara uh, Pro. And um, she was wrestling with her stable. Now, stable's like a group of wrestlers who are like a team. Like they're much more than just a tag team, which was King and uh, Queen and Court, I think. And they wrestled against uh, Hollow Wicked and his like legion of like <laughs> demonic creatures. It sounds like very comic book and sort of wild. And the gimmicks in Chikara Pro are. But I watched a match, that five-on-five match as the main event of uh, this show, getting to see Chikara Pro for the first time in person. Because bear in mind, they've only played three times in person in the UK in like the last decade. And I just watched this match, and it was just seeing Kimberly beat down to the ground, but then retain her... Um, likes retain her title against uh like this the impent like the evil forces of hollow wicked and his uh his legion just i don't know it just actually genuinely moved me to tears it's like it's hard to explain because it doesn't sound like a beautiful moment to anyone who wasn't there i mean but it was just such great wrestling and i was i just i don't know i was just moved i think i was moved that i got to see it i got to see kimberly with that belt with that team uh in person and it just i don't know 
I cried for like half an hour. <laughs> it sounds in principle like the reaction I got seeing Steve Rogers beaten up and bleeding and being knocked down and then getting back up again. Now, much if you were there in person. Yeah. While yeah. that happened. Yeah. I don't do in-person wrestling. I've, I, it's too cringe for me. Uh, the culture, the culture over here is just too yeah. like. I remember in '99, my two buddies Clay and Josh and I went to a spot in Tennessee to see Sabu, who is the the genocidal, homicidal maniac, and he's like this dude of barbed wire and flipping through chairs. Good grief. And it was him wrestling Tracy Smothers, who's another Southern legend over here. Who R.I.P. Rest in power, Tracy. And they were wrestling in this gym, and we were like. We paid $10 to have like general admission seats and there was like almost nobody there. So we scooted down to ringside and uh, yes, I paid $20 to have a Polaroid taken with Sabu, him doing the pose, you know, the point up, but, uh, worth every and with Bill Alfonso, it was great. But, uh, this tag team came out and they were local and they're like, like, yeah, like some people booed like y'all shut up. And they went to one side of the ring. Like they were pointing at somebody up in the stands and literally the seven of us that were like sitting there, all just looked back like, (laughs) There's, there's nobody up there, man. It's just like, it's just, we're, we're right here. I, I was the one that complimented your mullet, sir. You know, like it was, it was me. And then I watched Sabu and Tracy for the main event. Sabu sat Tracy on the top rope and went to go from the mat, springboard off the rope, head scissors into a hurricane rana. And the ring up close was clearly steel cables coated in garden hose like a sparkly yellow garden hose. And he puts Tracy on the top rope and he goes to springboard and both his feet hit the cable and the ring goes. <laughs> and you literally see hit the fear on their faces for a second before he finishes the move real quick <laughs> and real low impact. And they stayed off the top rope the rest of the match <laughs> because it was clear. It was just so low budge. And so just like I, like I can watch it on TV. I can walk away from it. I can go pee. I can get a drink. I can do whatever. I don't need to be in a room full of people with three little kids who think someone's legit getting murdered. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm like, and I'm sitting here complaining like that drop toe hold was really sloppy. But for me, if there was an emotional moment on, it was on TV. Uh, Daniel Bryan, arguably one of the greatest professional wrestlers to ever lace up a pair of boots. His real name is Brian Danielson, so real cl- real clever ring name of being Daniel Bryan. <laughs> um, debuted in uh, a bunch of indie promotions as the American Dragon. And he was a kickboxing-style wrestler, pale, like anti-tan. Like I felt like if he'd walked into a tanning bed, it would have just been like pork rind. You know, he just would have like sizzled up to nothing. He had like the bowl haircut, white tights, white boots, you know, and he but good lord, it looked like he could murder you. He was just this kind of nondescript dude that could tie you in knots and just move so quick and hit you with these knees. And he was told multiple times, You're never gonna be anything big. You you don't have the look, you don't have the body, you don't have, you're not, you're not that handsome. Your, your charisma is good as an underdog, but we can only beat you up so many times before people stop believing you can come back. Well, he got to WWE, actually got fired, legit fired and got brought back in when the fan response was so strong, they wanted him back. And this was during the Occupy movement Oh, when we were occupying Wall Street and fans started occupying WWE Raw for Daniel Bryan, demanding he get title shots. Demand Some of it was work. Some of it was extras. Some of it was legit fan response. <laughs> and Daniel Bryan's, Daniel Bryan's chant became, yes, yes, 
Aww, yes. And that's quite nice. um and and like you can do that in a stadium now and people will go absolutely buck wild for it. But he <laughs> but he was not supposed to be in the main event at WrestleMania, but fan demand was and I wasn't even following wrestling, but I had I knew him from the indies and I knew I had to see that match and I watched him win a triple threat match in a packed stadium, 50, 60,000 people. He's, he's huge beard, he's uglier than ever, white tights, white knee pads, white boots with both world titles and the, mm. and 50,000 people are doing the yes chant and I was like okay I've got to watch wrestling again Cam who's what's your what's been one of your favorite moments I do not have like some uh, anything that's super emotional or anything like that um, it doesn't have I, to I be emotional re- just something you enjoy I don't, I don't remember which pay-per-view this was so Steve mm-hmm. help me Mm-hmm. Do you remember back in the day we got one of the pay-per-views yes. and uh-huh. uh, I think the top billing was a match between Mankind and The Undertaker. Uh-huh. That You're was about so Hell in a Cell? F- yes. Yes, that was it. Yeah. It was Hell in a Cell and it was so good and it was so fun. I mean, they just, they did a great job. It was really fun. Mick Foley being t- tossed off of a 40-foot cave through a table. Yeah. <laughs> bro- broke, out his t- broke out his teeth so they wrapped around and shot out his nostril. What? Uh, Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not like yeah. that legitimately <laughs> that happened. It was it happened, but it, but he just got up and kept just kept going. It's just like it yeah, great. no, that, yeah, we we did watch hell that hell in a cell at your house. Yeah, yeah that, is, that, that was very good. True. That was a good and, one, and that's a and that's a moment in history. That was that's a moment in history. Like things happened in that match that were not supposed to happen. I see. Mick Foley's body was irrevocably changed forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, it's just one of those moments. They did a great in, job. Yeah. It was it was a great match. It was so fun. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite um, wrestler as well, Cam? Oh yeah, Mick Foley definitely. He's my favorite. He's, he's so okay. good. So of course that's you know <laughs> that's one of that's got to be a favorite favorite match for me. Is that like his wrestling name or that's his real name? Steve mentioned earlier he's been Dude Love, Cactus Jack. Ma- he was Mankind for quite okay, some time. Okay. And yeah, there've been a lot of names in this episode. Been a lot, yeah, <laughs> he's played a lot of different characters over yeah, the years. Yeah, he's, he's, fa- he's famous for those three. He calls them the three faces of Foley. So what I'd like to end on is um, what are each of you sort of looking forward to in the wrestling world? Um, Cam, I'd like to go to you first, if that's okay. I can I can vamp for a bit if you need to think, but like I'm interested to know like what coming like i don't know what the schedules are i don't know if if there's like anticipated shows that are going to be coming up at the end of the year i don't know if there are arenas or and stuff but um i'd be interested to know like what you think is interesting and exciting that's coming up in the schedule so cam what do you think oh gosh i have no idea <laughs> uh i've i'm so far behind uh i have i oh i see. don't have a clue like the la- the last time i i saw anything was uh my friends had a pay-per-view in february <laughs> so i have no idea but i mean like steve said i think it will be it will be interesting to see how things change once we there are live audiences again mm. for sure that should be pretty interesting and what do you think steve so I'm really kind of interested to see, I agree with Cam, when crowds come back, what that's going to be like. But also, I want to see where the dust settles. Mm. Can WWE write a progressive product that people actually buy into? Can AEW, their competition, all elite wrestling, can they pick up pieces WWE have dropped and actually learn how to write stories and not just do the trash they've been doing? 
because uh, they they're, they're a company well founded and well well intended, but they just don't have the storytelling or the writing experience that generations are laid into WWE. So I'm really interested to see where the dust settles with all the releases, the pandemic easing up enough for there to be crowds, and then just to see whether what's there is worth watching or not. And how about you, Callum? On a personal note, I'm excited for October um, because that's the first show back as far as like stuff that friends of mine are running and so on. And uh, oh yes, and on and then during that show, my uh, my girlfriend Alex, who used to wrestle, is coming back as an announcer during that show. So I'm particularly excited for that, uh, and I'm probably going to get roped into uh, to taking some pictures or something like that because I used to photo. <laughs> I used to uh, photograph and video shows. I thought you were going to say taking some bumps, and I was about to get excited. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, excited for October for that. Um, and then in the more immediate future, I'm excited because after this call, I'm probably going to go and watch some wrestling. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> none of the product that's currently airing right now, though, that's for sure. I think, well, that is definitely all the time that we have. Thank you, listeners, for hearing my induction to a world that I'd forgotten about for about 20 years and did not know existed. And for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from them. Do you want to say goodbye, everyone? Goodbye. See you soon, family. I'll see you later. See you real soon. (laughs) Goodbye. Have a great day. (laughs) Have a lovely day. Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Jeffrey Nils Gardner and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, all. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about. The Programme. The Programme audio series 
is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the Programme Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode.